going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Andy Sports Talk. Um, your co-host Antoine here, my boy E. Man, what's going on with you, E? What's going on, bro? Ready to do a little uh, potting, you know what I mean? Pretty yes, sir. <laughs> up this week, you know. Let's go. Yeah, man. Look, I um game three. Everybody saw it. Uh, the <laughs> Toronto Raptors played against Stephen Curry. Beat the hell out. Uh, yeah. Um, it was a good effort by Stephen Curry, and um. Like, I literally felt like he should have picked me to come play on this team. I, I could have gave him a lead eight, you know, a good, strong eight, you know, stretch the floor a little bit or something. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was – um that was – uh I, I, I'll say this. I commend Golden State for the effort. You know, I don't want to take away from the guys. I mean, they were out there trying their best. But um Steph Curry, of course, he put on a phenomenal show. But, uh I mean, Toronto was hitting everything, every single thing they threw up. Um, Kyle Lowry, I think Kyle Lowry had 17, but they were like front running points. Uh, like when the game is pretty much out of hand, he's you know jacking up those threes, and yeah, they're falling. Like Danny Green, the, the, the game Danny Green had was pretty crazy. Uh, Van Fleet had a pretty crazy game. Um, but we got we got to stop saying that about Van Vliet because I've been telling you Van Vliet's gonna do what he do. Like, I, you seem to just not want to believe in that man. I, 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 listen, listen, listen. He he he's playing well. I can't I cannot take anything away from him, man. He's really playing well. Um, it's just it's so it's it's just it's t- it's well. He's one of those guys that you watch him play, and it's like, uh, he's what I mean, he's not that good. It's like that's like what he just keeps making baskets. You know, he keeps scoring. Um, keeps doing a good job on defense. His on ball defense, he's been doing a, a tremendous <laughs> job. He's very strong. So then he's good there. You can't. You can't say somebody's not that good, but then you say, "Oh, but I mean, he keep getting buckets. He keep playing deep." I mean, yes, he, he has been. That no, that doesn't mean he's good. That means he's playing well. That's what I'm saying. I believe he's playing well right now, and I'm not gonna sit sit up and say he's good because he, you know, where was he at in game? What was it, game two? He's done this throughout the year, though. I, I listen. I I get it. I get it. He's been, you know. I mean, him and Siakam, the the improvement that they've had. Oh my um, goodness. It has been crazy. I'm not. I'm not taking that away from from Van Fleet. Uh, um, but Let's talk him about it Siakam. right quick. Does Siakam have one? Of, uh, apparently, Siakam's spin move is apparently unguardable. Like, what? What, yeah. what is going on with this man's spin move? <laughs> I don't know. And he turns to the right every single time. He's gonna back you down and just give you a hard <laughs> pivot. Get back to his right hand and lay it up. And then he's too long for you to block the shot. So it's just like he's just. And when he when his jump shot is going. Then it's gonna to be tough, and, and with Golden State not having Clay Thompson uh, out there to help defend, that was just it was just it was just too hard on them from when they're sw- on their switches. Um, they got a lot of um, they got a big contribution from uh, Serge Ibaka, you know, blocking. Uh, Gasol was aggressive, played well. Kawhi did what Kawhi does. Um, they just they came to play, man. They made buckets, and um, yeah, Golden State was shorthanded. Yeah, they you know it was a, it was a good effort, but. You know, it takes more than that. You know, I thought Draymond Green was way too careless with the ball. Um, I don't, I didn't even notice Boogie Cousins on the floor. You know, he's just flopping and flailing all over the court, and instead of just playing the game, um, yeah. Because really, they really don't have any answer for him. If he just settles down and plays his game, he literally has no lift. He has nothing on his shot. But you know, I thought Draymond and and Boogie played bad. But you know, Quinn Cook gave gave good effort. Um. Andre Iguodala was, you know, he was pretty solid for the most part. Um, 
But yeah, they just they, there's just no way they can play with. I don't think. I mean, I I don't know too too many teams that they'll beat that you know playoff teams that they will beat just with that line that they're throwing out there right now. So um, that you know I I guess they're saying now that Clay is is going to be starting uh game four and yeah I, I don't I don't I just I don't know they said KD played playing three on three today uh in practice and he had been shooting jumpers. So they're being, you know, kind of optimistic about him. If I were them, I would kind of hold off until at least game five. They might out out. Yeah, I just saw on ESPN. They went ahead and ruled Katie out for game four. So, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely will. Yeah, well, you know, I think game five, you know, probably the most realistic thing. I, I still think they can win at home with Clay and uh, Steph, but they just they just got to come – they just got really got to come to play and um, find a, find some place where they can you know manufacture buckets because I just I hate seeing it. Just it reminds me back of back in uh, what was it 2015 when uh Kevin Love got hurt by Kelly Olynyk in the Celtics and then Kyrie goes down towards end of game one in the finals and it's you know it's kind of watching LeBron versus the Golden State Warriors and now we have the Raptors versus Stephen Curry is what it's looking like. So, yeah. Uh yeah, it's pretty. You know, I hate to see stuff come down to this, uh, guys getting injured. But you know, that's you know, that's just, you know, that's part of the territory. You know, part of sports. So you just got to be able to deal with it. I would definitely say Steph gave a heroic effort. I mean, I didn't. I, I was expecting for Toronto to pretty much just double stuff the whole game, uh, either boxing one, whatever it was gonna take, but just to not let him get off and uh. The fact that they did pretty much everything that they could, and this man literally put up, was it 47 he had? Yeah, I believe it was 47. Yeah, that's ridiculous to me. And But then what also that tells me is that um, Toronto, I, I feel like Toronto, I mean, I'm not as optimistic as people are for Toronto. I'm actually thinking they're in more trouble because, like you said, Kyle Lowry had, what, five threes? I mean, Danny Green was hitting heroic shots. I mean, Yeah, I mean, Danny Green was falling over himself, hitting threes, leaning to the right and to the left. I'm like, oh, yeah. my goodness. Kawhi's going to do what he does. So I'm not really, you know, talking about Kawhi, but just it's a certain – like, a lot had to go right, and they still, in my opinion, didn't win convincingly enough for me to say, okay, the Warriors in trouble. Like, I think if Clay does come back, especially in Oracle, I mean, it's – the next game is going to be something special. Um, uh, speaking of that, speaking of that, hold on, I'm going to cut you off. Yeah, go but ahead. Speaking of that, what were your thoughts? Because I didn't know whether I was watching the game in Oakland or in Toronto. <laughs> I was confused. I was like, are they playing at a neutral site or something? It says uh, that uh, Warriors on the, on, the, on, the, on the court and stuff. Like I'm thinking <laughs> that, but every time Toronto makes a buck, I feel like I hear half the crowd cheering. That's like what in the world is going on? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, those those Canadian fans travel well. You got to give them props for that. You know the Raptors fans; they really um, travel well um, to that game. That was that they that was that was that was kind of something that I didn't expect at all. That's exactly why I texted you, and I was like, "Is it just me, or are you noticing these Raptors fans are in the building?" And uh, when I get on Instagram, I figured out why. Your boy with the turban, the uh, the Indian dude, he was there in full effect. He had a whole crowd with him. He had an entire section of Oracle, apparently. I guess he bought it out or something. And uh, I thought that was – when I saw it on Instagram, I'm like, oh, my – that's where all the noise is coming from because you can hear towards the end of the game, they started the old Canada chant. And I'm like, hold on. What is going on here? <laughs> like, I, I know I know damn well that 
me, in my opinion, I'm thinking most of the time you're going to sell out to your fans most of the time. But, again, when I seen that boy with the turban at the Raptors games, I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I see what happened. He brought the cash out. They weren't going to say no to it in Oakland, you know. But, um, uh, I, I like I said, I, I think Steph had a heroic effort. I hats off to him. Um, it, yeah, I mean, man, that's, that's crazy to me. This man literally had 47. The first quarter he had like 17, 6, uh-huh. six or something like that, like – when Van Gundy and Mark Jackson was mentioning it, I'm like, dang, he's got damn near a triple-double in the first quarter. Like, this this ain't looking good. And I was like, well, hopefully, you know, he'll cool off. Uh, Steph didn't cool off. But I'm more getting pissed off more and more about Kyle Lowry right now. Not, And we're, we'll get to the uh, little thing with the fan in a minute. But Kyle Lowry's getting so much praise for having, what, he had 17 points last night? Yeah. What the hell? What, what kind of shit is this? Where you get praised for having seventeen points when somebody put forty-seven on you? Like I don't, I don't understand. But it's, my thing is not not that he put up seventeen points. It's how he put up seventeen points. Like a lot of those points were were kind of irrelevant at, at that point in the game. Like he hit some, he hit a couple of three. He hit like one or two threes early, and uh, but like that doesn't you know account for all those stupid fouls that he got, all those stupid turnovers. He him trying to flop like he's like a a. a baby version of Chris Paul flopping all over the place. And then he's he scored some points in garbage time at the end of the game. Um, you know, in the game when the Warriors are trying to make a push, but you know, that the scrapping, trying to, you know, gambling, reaching for steals, he's getting open looks. Yeah. He, he I mean, he was just I mean, he's he's Kyle Lowry. He's Kyle Lowry. And um uh, he's kinda like and and you know and with and with that incident, I, I believe that's part of the frustration from the fan because you're like you're sitting there watching him play the game. Like I feel like if I was sitting courtside and Chris Paul just flopped over into the front row, and I'm sitting right there. I was like, "Man, get off me! Like you doing all, doing the most, doing all this extra junk, falling and nah. all this stuff." <laughs> yeah, he probably sitting there watching yeah. Kyle Lowry do all that crap you do. He right, goes on the court. Let's go ahead and jump into it then. I'm not even going. I'm not even going to co-sign you on that one. That fan hit Kyle. No, Lowry. He didn't no hit, not, I'm he not didn't saying it was him. okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like when I when I actually I, when I first saw it, I was like, "Did I see that?" And I was like, "Nah, this man got more sense than that." But and then when I saw the replay and people started talking about it, I'm like, God, this man was literally about two seats away. Like Kyle yeah. said, and like, yeah, he, it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like he just landed on him. Yeah, like you didn't touch him, nothing, no part of his body. And when you, and I seen him throw the push at him, I'm like, I started laughing because I'm like, <laughs> what kind of shit is this? Where he, I guess he done about to take and think, oh, I'm part of the game. <laughs> like I'm gonna, I'm gonna get mine in too. I mean, he. He's against the opposite teams on the other team. I mean, this and that. I'm just like, now, I do think one thing. Let it have been a player with a little bit more respect. Like, I would say, let that have been actually Kawhi. Let yeah, it he wouldn't have did it. That man would not touch that touch dude like that. He would yeah. not. I, I'm telling yeah, you, that, I'm telling you, he did it because it was Kyle Lowry. Yeah, yeah. And how I'm he plays. And I, I'm telling you, that's why he did Now, I'm not trying to justify it. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm the type of person that think, Athletes, I think they should get one, one, one or two times a year where they can go up in the bleachers and do whatever the heck they want to do. Because <laughs> like some of them fans, they talk so reckless and so disrespectful. Um, like there's a, I think man, everybody should get like a couple get out of jail free cards. Something happened. All right, go ahead and, and do what you need to do. This person up in these bleachers because they're absolutely <laughs> getting ridiculous and out of hand. Um, but. Yeah, I think he did it just because it was Kyle Lowry. Like, like you said, that was that was somebody else. Hit him like, you know, I got respect for him. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this. Yeah. But, um, but still, at the end of the day, um, you can't, you can't touch the athletes that in that manner, man. You can't, you cannot do that. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, um, when I was yeah. watching the first take this morning, uh, it was funny. Stephen Jackson was on, and uh, 
well, I was listening to Steven Jackson talk about this some when it was first heard was a jump, but it was really funny to me when he said that that fan is lucky that wasn't Steven Jackson or Ron Artest or somebody who don't have that restraint like Kyle Lowry had because that could have went way different. And I, and I actually bust out laughing because I'm thinking in my head, like, I remember that malice at the palace. <laughs> like, yeah. I, remember, I remember how Steven Jackson went in that crowd and he just – he said he didn't have no fear. He just went and swung on whoever he's seen getting around Ron Artest. And I'm just like, um, I, I, I often wonder, like, let that have been. So so everybody knows my dog is Russell Westbrook. We didn't see how Russell act when it gets to the Utah Jazz fans. He'll slap at you. He'll do a lot of crazy shit. I, I almost, in a way, wish that had been Russ that got pushed. Because um, I feel like just some part of me feels like, you know what? That could have went. That could have went left real quick. I mean, I just something just makes me. I don't, feel but I don't see guys. I don't see anybody like on that superstar type level actually getting into it. Like I can see maybe I can see like it, but... uh, like Patrick Beverly, nah, nah fighting a right. fan or something like that. Or so I mean, there really aren't there really aren't any goons goons like that uh, in the NBA right now. The only but, reason uh, I just see hard Russ see doing a superstar it, doing that. The only reason I can see Russ doing it, like I said, especially if it's in Utah. Can hundred thousand percent see Russ doing it. I didn't see. We didn't see Russ slap a slap at a fan for just having a phone in his face. We seen a little kid li- literally push Russ on the court. Now Russ ain't gonna slap no kid, but I ain't gonna lie. I kind of want to see him pop and then popping back of his mouth. You know, I, I want to see <laughs> a little bit. Like I, I was waiting on that, but I mean, yeah, like you said, it, it probably won't happen. But if it's anybody I think has the potential to, I think Russ. I mean, look. Russ has been losing. Let's keep it real. Russ has been losing a lot without KD. I can't imagine what Russ hears when he goes into games from opposing fans. I cannot imagine what this man Oh, yeah. I know it's bad. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, that's, I know it's that's bad. what I'm saying. Do I think he could lose it just one time if somebody puts their hands on him first? I 100% do. <laughs> I 100% yeah. think he could do it. Yeah, the NBA, I mean, the players are so accessible at NBA games. Like, they're literally right there in front of you. I mean, they're they're not. It's not like a football game where you're like 20 yards from the sideline. You know, they got the, it's the, like the the, the sideline is like not right right there. And usually the home team fan are right behind them as well. Now, not 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 at all places, of course, but you know, yeah. it's it's kind of like the players can't. I mean, they're they're not engaged in what the fans are, are doing the same NBA. And it's completely different. I mean, yeah. you can literally. I mean, the sweat is going on to these fans sitting courtside. Yeah. You know, from these guys playing. So, you know, it's it just – I mean, you've seen so many times where, you know, people could just walk out onto the court. It, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, but I think they got to do a better job of kind of like just cutting back on, you know, just the 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 what the stuff the stuff people are, are, are saying. Like, I think they're going a little bit too far yeah. um, as far as trying to – provoking somebody to anger. Like, I don't mind you – giving a guy a hard time or, you know, you know, just you heckling a little bit and stuff like that. But once you start going and talking about people's personal life and talk, talking about their family and stuff, and uh, you start, you're trying to provoke them to anger, then, okay, that's when it, yeah, that's when it starts crossing life. If you want to talk about Ben, if you get, if I go to a game and somebody is going in on Ben Simmons, but they're not talking about his mom, they're not talking about his dad, they're not talking about his personal life, Things that he's doing and, and that has nothing to do with basketball. They going in on his jump shot and they cracking all kind of jokes about how he can't shoot. Yeah. I am going to order me some popcorn and cheer this man on. I said, "Get him, keep going. I want to hear it. Keep going. Like that's fair game to me. 
But once these guys start getting personal and start saying all, you know, some some of the things that they say is is kind of crazy. Now, granted, the stuff that happened with Russell, I know. Okay, I mean, Oklahoma, I mean, Utah has their uh their their own little history and stuff. But yeah, so, uh, yeah. But um, you know, some of that stuff, I'm like, all right, that's some of that stuff I can just kind of brush off. But I just, I just, I know at some point the the, um, the players get tired of it, you know. So the NBA got to crack down on that, in my opinion. Yeah, it's probably gonna be difficult, but uh, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and jump into a quick little preview. So, your prediction on Game Four? Um, I think I well, we the world knows your answer, but how about you go into why the Warriors? Uh, well, my my reason why is that I picked Golden State in, in six games. So <laughs> as long as Clay can play, um, I think they're gonna win this game and split. So they'll go back two two, and uh, they're really gonna have they're really gonna have to try to get to um. They're really gonna try to get out of got it out of there in uh with a split going back two two back to Toronto. Mm-hmm. And um if they can do that, they just need to try to buy as much time as they can to try to get to game five or game six. Now I me mean, personally, I think if they can get to game if they can win this game and KD is close to playing game five, I think you have an opportunity to sit him again. You know, then if you need him in game six or seven and he can go, then I think you pull the trigger. So um I don't expect all their starters to score 17 points again. Um, I expect Golden State to get a lot more calls this game. Um, it's just more beneficial for the NBA. But um, we're gonna see. Uh, we're gonna see. I think Steph is, is as long as he continues playing the way he's playing and being aggressive, then uh, that'll be fine. So I, I'm I'm picking Golden State to win this game, and um, I think that I think they'll win this one pretty pretty clearly. Um, but the problem is when they go back to Toronto is the game that they're they're really gonna have to buckle down. But like I said, you know, Toronto's their bench, they've been playing well. They've been getting quality minutes out of them. Gasol played well last game. Kawhi's doing what Kawhi's doing. Except on the defensive end, he's really kind of conserving you know, his energy for offense. So like yeah, there's too many guys like blowing past him on on when he's on defense. I'm like, man, something's wrong with Kawhi. So um yeah, I got Golden State. Uh Tomorrow night. Okay. I'm gonna just go ahead and take the other team. I mean the Raptors just because I mean uh I don't really have any confidence in it, but I do um I kinda wanna see some adversity. I wanna see like Stephen and what they bats against the wall. I wanna see like the make K D come back in a way almost and uh like I said, I don't really have any confidence in it, but if I just had to say I'm gonna say Raptors, uh I don't think we're gonna have nearly as high scoring game as we had the last game. Like I don't see like I said, like you mentioned the Raptors Kyle Arnold hitting nowhere near that many threes again like they did. Danny Green hitting fadeaways and side-winding threes. I don't see that happening again. So, um, I'm going to just probably predict uh, Raptors, let's say 105, Warriors 99. Like, I'm not going to think it's going to be some crazy high game. Um, did you have, okay. a, have a score you want to say? Nah, I, I really don't know if I want to put a score on it. Uh, <laughs> I think if it, if it, if it becomes a high-scoring game, and Golden State is going to be in trouble <laughs> um, because they just don't have enough firepower. Yeah. You know, I don't know how Clay is going to go. So, and that's another thing I, I didn't I didn't mention it. And it's, it always goes. People never talk about the phases of basketball. Like they talk about it in football. Talk about your special teams, defense, offense. But in basketball, for some reason, nobody ever wants to talk about defense. Nobody like the reason Toronto is here is because of their length and their defense. Um, I mean, they literally everybody on. I mean, they have guys on on their on their team that can, I mean, defend on an elite level. 
So um, that's why they're here. So and Golden State, of course, they've been, you know, de- defending well since the Mark Jackson days. So um, they got to play a lot better defense than they played this past game. And of course, some of those shots aren't going to fall. There are a lot of just crazy shots that fell. So, but they still got. I mean, there are too many layups, too many rim runs. Yeah. And um, they got to they got to pick that up on defense. So. Um, I yeah, I hope it. I'm hoping uh, for my prediction sake that the game isn't as high scoring. <laughs> so hopefully it stays around the 90s. All right, all right. So we'll get out yeah. of the way. Uh, we'll stick with the NBA just to kind of finish up right quick. Um, one thing I want to talk to everybody about was this whole. Uh, well, Derrick Rose is coming out with a book, uh, an autobiography, <laughs> and uh, basically in the autobiography, Derrick Rose. Um, yesterday he only mentioned one thing about the Jimmy Butler practice. But today he also decided to come out with a Carl Towns excerpt. So just to kind of hit the Carl Towns thing first, Derrick Rose was saying that Carl Towns is very spoiled by the coaching staff. He's not really encouraged to work very hard. He said uh, the contract and things like that, those things are something that, you know, uh, Timberwolves are looking at Carl like basically like guys get and the rest of the players are kind of like just supporting cast. Um, with that being said, Derrick Rose also said in his autobiography that the infamous Jimmy Butler practice where he, I guess, post supposedly took the second team and destroyed the first team and <laughs> cussed everybody out, embarrassed Wiggins and Towns. Derrick Rose is saying that Jimmy Butler only scored one bucket the entire practice. The way Jimmy Butler made it seem in the interview with Rachel Nichols and them, Jimmy Butler made it seem like he was just dropping off everybody. Like he was just doing the work and like he was he was unstoppable just as like a, like a dominant scorer, I guess we would think of that. And so my only question to you, Tuan, is number one, do you think – what do you think about the whole Carl Towns being spoiled thing? And then number two, uh, the Derrick Rose, you know, do you think he's telling the truth? And if so, why would Jimmy Butler kind of make it seem like to the world that he, you know, did all this when he maybe didn't do as much as we thought he may have? Right. Well, I would say um, when it comes to Carl um, – dude named Carl – <laughs> anyway, um, get, like, get, get a nickname out. Go on, say Kitten. Yeah. Kitten. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when it comes to Carl, Kitten, aka Kitten, um, I believe it. Like, you can see it in his mannerisms. Like, I'm really big on body language, especially when I'm like coaching kids. Like, I, I, I hate seeing players sulk. Um, your body language says a lot. And, um, like, you want to walk around confident, you know. You know, you never want to show weakness. And when I watch him play, like, I just – his facial expressions, his body language, the way he moves, the way he walks, and, like, you can get to him. You know, you can you can really get to him. And, of course, you can see his talent. His talent is there. I mean, there's no denying it. Um, yeah. Th- th- his talent level. But he's he does, uh, that dog that's inside of him, I just don't see it the way I, I would like to. Uh, maybe it's there. But um, Bill Parcells um, – Bill Parcells had a, a quote. Uh, he said, if, they don't, if the dog don't bite when they puppies, they're not going to bite. So, mm. I don't know. We're just going to have to see what, what's going to happen with them and uh, how it's going to go. But um, as far as, like, Jimmy Butler, like, you can still dominate a practice without scoring. You know, you could be, like, you could just, like, literally just heckle your teammates while you're playing. Like, oh, he about to miss that. Give me that rebound. Oh, good spring. Oh, he can't guard you. And, like, just really just, like, it might not have been Jimmy Butler, the one going at Wiggins. It could have been somebody else killing him and, you know, Jimmy Butler giving them hell about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler could have hit the game when they shot. And, you know, it's still been, um, you know, been going off. So, it's, it's definitely possible. I've seen it happen. And uh, that's just that's just the way, you know, some, some guys play. I know when I, when I play the game, play, play any type of game, you know, I'm trying to, you know, 
trying to get into my opponent's head in some way, shape, or form, you know, try to throw them off their game. And, um, you know, I, I think it's pretty easy for him to get inside their head and show their weakness. <laughs> and, um, and I, and I, and I could just, the way he was smiling in that, that, um, that interview with that lady, um, it was just, it was kind of like, it was kind of like, yeah, I really got to him. But I don't know if it was just necessarily that he was just busting they behind in practice. You know, it's just that he was like mentally getting to them. But uh, yeah, that's my take on it. What's your, what's your thoughts? So, so basically, we need, we need to have, I, I can tell by this conversation, I'm ready to have it. We need to do a rankings for the top five mentally weak guys in our opinion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. We definitely all, get that. All I hear is that if you're in a practice, a scrimmage, and if you got one guy from the other team who, you know, probably do a contract, is probably not playing every game. Because I remember, I remember leading up to that, Jimmy Butler was not playing every game. He was kind of right. playing when he wanted to, he wanted to be traded. But when you got one guy on the team that's that's in your head like that, that's got like rent and bo- room and board, everything in your head like that, and you're supposed to be the superstars on the team, Wiggins and Towns, that that just that rubs me all the way wrong. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I want to say about that part. Uh, uh, one thing I want Tuan to get off right quick. He was telling me something pretty interesting about the NCAA three point line. Mm. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so the NCAA decided finally this year that they're going to expand the three point line. They're going to move it back from I believe it's at twenty feet nine inches now, and they're moving it back to twenty two feet and two inches. Um, I believe that's where it is now. But it's the same length as the international um, three-point line that they yep. use in Europe. They use in FIBA and the Olympics. You know, in all international basketball, they use this three-point line. I think it's good. It's about time they started to do it. And, um, yeah, you know, uh, I think they need to start thinking about moving this high school line back. It's just way too close, man. It's – I mean, you're literally like a couple of feet away, like 19 feet. You got, what, 15 feet for a free throw? Mm-hmm. You know, nineteen like feet yeah. for nineteen feet for a three in high school, like that is, that is way too close. <laughs> you know that that is literally that is way too close, man. The way, especially the way some of these kids can shoot nowadays, and guys are getting more and more reps. I think yeah. we need to start backing it up, and um, I think the NBA should start thinking about you know maybe moving their line. I remember when they experimented and moved the line up one year, and they had like this in, a huge spike. Like, now listen, I wouldn't mind if the NBA moved the three point line up. Maybe mm. say no, no. Say, say say they moved it up like uh, a foot. No. Say they moved it up a foot. No. And then added then added a four point line. Like thirty five feet. Mm-hmm. At thirty five feet. I don't know, man. Like I guess the way I'm looking at it is I'm thinking about people like Trey Young in college. Uh even even to a degree, like uh I ain't well, I'm not gonna say JJ Reddick could not because he never really had to shoot that deep, but I mean, I, I know JJ's got range. I know the shooters who have range, they, they can shoot for a reason. Um, we see James Harden, Paul Joe. We see a lot of guys but, now pulling from deep. I don't think we have to move that up at all, personally. Like, no, I, I, I don't. But I, I just think, you know, you know, more points, people are going to, you know, they're going to like it. You know, more more points they see, the more entertaining it's going to be. Um, for the, I'm, think, I'm talking about from, like, a, a marketing standpoint. Yeah. Uh, like, cause like the NBA three-point line is a lot further than the international three-point line. If they can, like, move it up in between that and make that a three-point line, I think that's okay. Now, granted, they don't have to move it at all. They can leave it exactly where it is. But I still would like to at least see them experiment, like, whether they do it in the D league or they do it in the summer league sometime, imp- trying to implement a line that can go, like, across, like, where the volleyball line is and, um, and uh, 
like you know on the basketball court where they had like the volleyball lines yeah. on them too. Like yeah, back at least that far, and it's kind of arcing. So um, and it goes from sideline to sideline. It won't go up the sideline, but it's, you know, just an opportunity for the, a team to shoot four points. And I know it sounds like a little crazy, like man, there's no way you add a four point line. But you got to think at one point in time in history, people were thinking about adding a three point line. There was literally no line back there. So, you know, to them, they probably said, this is crazy adding a, a, a three-point line. Why would we need to add something else, you know, an, another line? And it, But when you think about it, it's like, you know, well, at some point they didn't have it. And uh, once they have it, now we can't think of I, – I can't imagine basketball without a three-point line. Like, sure. even when you're playing pickup basketball in the street, like, you create imaginary three-point lines. Like, oh, if you shoot past that, that's worth a three. Yeah. You know, same thing when you add it. Like, I mean, the way these guys are pulling up from 35 feet – all right, come on. I'm like, you got to at least find something where we can, you know, and it, I mean, it'll change the way we, we look at in-game situations. Um, man, it'll, it'll I almost, almost kind of feel like uh, we need to leave. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you, and I, I kind of hate to admit this, but I think we need to leave that up to <laughs> to Stephen Curry. <laughs> we need to let Stephen Curry decide that we need a four-point line because the way I see He's going to say yeah. Yeah, the way I see it happening, though, by the time they implement this idea, I don't think Steph will be playing. I mean, I feel like it's going to be after Steph's, you know, done playing. And I feel like, well, we're not going to get the true, in my personal opinion, we ain't going to get the true three-point line leader of, of all time. I mean, four-point line leader. Like, we, yeah. Steph Curry deserves that record. He, yeah, he'll he still be the greatest shooter of all time. Like, I don't yeah. think that's will take away from that. Yeah. But. Well, I guess I look at it like, I think about a lot of folks would say, like, Larry Bird. Like, a lot of folks had the greatest shooter of all time before we got the three-point line with Steph. Um, I almost feel like, in a way, I mean, after Steph leaves, if there's a four-point line, forget somebody that comes out stroking like crazy, folks is going to start to have that ridiculous conversation, which, again, my dad, he always told me before, whenever Steph was first going to leave, I remember he used to play with my cousin, or he uh, he came to the year after my cousin played, my bad. But uh, I remember my dad, I was like, Dad, this dude's probably one of the greatest I've ever seen. He's like, uh, he ain't no Larry Bird. He ain't no, uh, he ain't no this and this, that and that. And then it takes until, you know, years and years later for MVPs and NBA Finals to where all of a sudden it's, yeah, you know, he's he's a great shooter. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we'll do that same thing possibly. I wouldn't want to because I'm going to hold on to my, my prime when I watch sports. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like at some point when we get a four-point line, let somebody come along and they're stroking that thing like crazy. Folks is going to start having this conversation. I'm going to be irate. <laughs> but, I'll be a, but, but how often do you think guys will actually be attempting that shot, though? I think about it, like how many times like I think Steph like you look in today's game like who is really pulling from that deep I can only Trey think John. of like really a handful of guy a Trey I feel like Trey's gonna be the first fool to start Steph and stuff like that Steph, Steph um, we know Dame, he's gonna make it. Dame definitely gonna start pulling from back there um, now look now look I hate to admit it but hey hey Russell Westbrook hey if you see it he gonna let they fly y'all I'm yeah to you. yeah you hey. might hit a fan in the third row well, well I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he gonna if you put it in Russell's face and say, look, look, let somebody get talk, let Beverly get talking to Russ. But Russell will come down and pull that thing like it's nothing. If he airball, hey, cool. But, but he hey, but look, but look, think about the excitement though, man. You seeing a guy pull pull up for four that deep. Yeah. Guy spotting him like Clay Thompson will literally be running instead of running to the three point line, he's running to the four point line. Whew. Like he's he's running to pull up from four. Like that is Crazy. Man, that is that is a whole that's that's a different level, man. I man, I would love to see them at least at least experiment with it, you know, and and uh, you know put it through a trial run, put it um, in, in the G League, put it in, put it in the summer league, put it in the yeah, summer, summer league. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. Especially, I think the summer league's better because that gives the you know the uh the viewers an opportunity to you know get their 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 um their feel of it too. And yeah. I I just love those way it'll it'll affect late game. Like a game will never be out of reach with a four point line to me. Like if a guy like say you're down ten, um with a minute left in the, in the NBA, most people think oh well, the game's over. He yeah. comes down one person hit one four pointer, bang, they're down six. They get a stop. They come down, make one. They're down, make a layup. They're down four. Yeah. You know, one stop. They come down and try to pull another four point play. Or they get, a, or they shoot a three. Like whatever. Like it really changes the way you look at late game situations. Um, like I, I would, I would just love to see it. And um, like I'm not gonna be archaic. I'm gonna try to keep the same mindset as I grow. I don't want to be the, you know, to get off, get off my lawn type person. You yeah. know, as I as I get older, but you know. You know, there definitely needs to be something. And I also wouldn't mind seeing them, you know, expanding the court, you know, making a few feet longer, a few feet wider. Same thing in the NFL. Like, I want the NFL to widen the hash marks. Like, they, you know, they wonder why the college game and the high school game yeah. looks so different and looks so fast. Why they would not widen. Because I always know I, – I never noticed until I actually got onto a field before how wide college is compared to the pros. The mm-hmm. pros almost like it's just 10 feet. Like, it seems yeah. crazy. It seems crazy, crazy close. But – uh. I ain't gonna lie, you might have won me. I think you just won me over on that argument because you're right. We didn't have a three point line before it came. Uh, and I guess I'm thinking like certain players are gonna be completely unguardable now because, again, I'm gonna just take Steph for example. If you got somebody that's got to come up 10 feet basically behind the three point line to guard Steph now, he's gonna go by them every time. <laughs> and I, and, I, and to me, it, to, yeah, he's gonna go by them every time. And then that's gonna give him even more opportunities to shoot threes. Yeah, like that. That's that, that's it's, it's really going to be you know a, a complete game changer if they do it. But I just want to see them try it out first because it might be a disaster. You know, yeah. it could be like when the NBA moved that the three point line up close, and then they just had I think overall the NBA they shot like a few thousand more threes. Yeah, period. You know, like everybody was trying <laughs> to shoot them in at that point. So and then they end up saying, Nah, we're gonna scrap this after one year. We're gonna move it back. So um, very true. So, very but true. I, I like at least seeing them try it. So see yeah. how it works out. No, I definitely like what you're saying. Uh, before we get to our next topic, uh, just a quick little, I ain't going to say commercial break, but y'all who have businesses, please let us know. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and plug one right quick for my, my cousin, uh, Eric O'Neill, Physique by E. He's got like a little gym. Uh, well, basically, he's doing some personal training. If you guys need a trainer, again, uh, you can DM me or Twan. We'll put you in touch. If you want to DM, DM him, uh, Physique by E on Instagram. Uh, but uh, next topic is going to be questions from the crowd. And I got one from my boy Thomas that I work with. Uh, he, the question he's asking, I'm going to let Torn answer this completely because Torn's like the football, the quarterback guy. Thomas was basically asking uh, for players in a position like Lamar Jackson, who, uh, you know, African-American quarterback, he's probably got a certain stigma as a scrambling quarterback, more so than a throwing quarterback. Uh, Thomas kind of likened him to like Robert Griffin as to, you don't have a lot of coaches willing to adapt to that kind of style of play or willing to risk their jobs for that. And so uh, basically his question was, do you think Lamar Jackson actually has a legit chance to succeed knowing the players who came before him with Michael Vick and Robert Griffin? And so I'm going to let you go ahead and take that. Yeah. I um Well, I've been watching Lamar Jackson play since he was in high school, you know, down in Florida, Papano beach is where he's from. And, um, you know, he he had that kind of label on him as being an athlete. I like he he's one of those examples, and I tell you, I tell you this all the time, Eric. Like I just don't understand how all these athletes in the state of Florida leave the state and go to college. Like it just 
it's like it's mind blowing to me, like how so many we have so many athletes down there, and they all going to you know they're going to Bama, Louisville. They're just leaving the state now. Of course, they're still getting you know you know some of the guys are staying in the state, but you know twenty years ago that was unheard of. Fifteen years ago that was unheard of. Yeah, Miami ain't getting shit. So. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Like it's just, you would never hear stuff like that, you know. But um, I think when Lamar Jackson. I digress, but you know, I think in Lamar Jackson's uh, case, I kind of compare. I, I kind of use it. I, I use this comparison. I compare it to like Stephen Curry, and what I mean is they they both have they both have these non-parallels uh, skill sets where you, it's very unique, and you don't see guys doing some of the things that they are able to do the way that they're doing it. And what it takes is it takes a coach and organization to buy into them and just pull it, fully put their support behind him. For example, with Stephen Curry. Yeah. The Golden State had a choice to make. Monte Ellis, are we going to roll with, keep rolling with Monte or are we going to keep rolling with this little guy who can shoot, but he has ankle problems? We're gonna, what are we going to do? Well, we might see the game start to trend towards this, you know, shoot more threes. So let's just – Stick with this guy first. And remember remember how, you know, everybody started talking. They used to talk about how grossly underpaid Stephen Curry was in yeah. the contract that he had because of an ankle injury. Well, Golden State still took a risk on him. They fully bought into Stephen Curry. And now look at the results, you know. And it's bec- and his skill set is not was not something that, you know, was normal. He was playing like a Steve Nash style, but he was shooting the ball a lot more. From yeah. a lot deeper with the same efficiency. Now you look around the NBA, everybody's trying to be trying to play that that similar style. Um uh, some people are even taking it to the extreme, um, you know, going even further. But all it takes is one person to buck the trend. I think Lamar Jackson um is in a good situation because he has the full support of his organization. They're completely bought into him. They're completely um putting everything around him that he needs to be successful. Um and I, I don't think it's so much that he's a that he's a black quarterback. I think it's a it's an argument of skill set. Traditionally, your quarterbacks are six three, six four, six five, you know, two hundred thirty pounds, slow guys, pocket passes. They can you know get around a little bit, but every now and then you have this anom- anomaly that comes around that may not specifically fit, fit that void, and uh, they do things a little bit different. And um, and you gotta just you gotta you know try to hone. You gotta be a coach. I feel like a lot of a lot of coaches don't want to coach and you got to put the players, the, your number one job as a coach, you got to put the players in, a, in the best position to be successful. And um, like when Robert Griffin's case, like the reason he stopped being a successful aid injury, he was always injury prone, he was injured, injured in high school, injured in college, injured in the pros. It's always injury prone, but he wanted to change his style of play. He yeah. wanted to become some type of pocket passer. him and his dad, that was on him. And then also <laughs> he didn't have the full support of the organization. Only the owner was behind him, not the coach. The head coach did not support him. And the evidence is in, is they they drafted a quarterback two rounds later. Yeah. So, I mean, like two or three rounds later, they drafted another quarterback. So, like, you're not telling me that you're fully – and this, this quarterback had a completely different skill set. So, you're not telling – like, RG3 was fast, straight line. Now, he has no whip. He's not like Lamar as far as making guys miss in the open field. He's nowhere near the threat as a runner that Lamar is. Now, granted, RG3 is very fast. He can run in a straight line very fast. Yeah. But he's not that guy that's just like, you know, everybody's coming. He put his foot in the ground, go the other way, and he's making you look silly. That's not Robert Griffin. Robert <laughs> Griffin had a big arm. 
you know, he, I mean, he's a great, he was a good passer. Uh, I can't take that away. I used to love Robert Griffin's throwing motion. Mm. But um, when you look at how he played, though, I mean, he had the speed. He can run uh, run options. Uh, he had the quick trick and the big arm. Then you go look at Kirk Cousins, who's more like a game manager. Not, yeah. Captain check now. Um, not very athletic, uh, but he's a smart player. Uh, he's going to make the right play. Right, He's not going to get reckless like RG3 and uh, not take big risks and keep in the game. There were two different quarterbacks, and that's what you have on your team. That's letting you know right there they weren't fully invested into RG3 to begin with, even <laughs> though m- most of his downfalls were his own fault. I say all that to say this. I think Lamar is in a unique situation. I think it's very fortunate for him that he's in this situation. I can go on and on for days and days and days about how I feel about how they, they're doing Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. That is <laughs> unbelievable. Like, good coaches, you put your players in position to be successful. When Nick Foles went to the Pro Bowl in Philly, um, when he had Chip Kelly, and he had those games where he threw, like, seven touchdowns in a game, and he was doing all these RPOs and all this stuff. Yes, sir. Fantasy, I had them long. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Remember when Carson Wentz went down and they basically started running almost all of Chip Kelly's plays again once Nick Foles got back in, got it in the, in, uh, the lineup and, you know, they went on to win the Super Bowl. But yeah. because Doug Peterson did the best thing for his quarterback to put him in position to be successful, I shouldn't, I shouldn't turn to a Tennessee Titans game and watch Marcus Mariota in 13 personnel with three tight ends, one running back, and I'm just sitting there trying to figure out, wow, this dude runs a four four eight, and he's probably one of the greatest spread quarterbacks ever in college. Mm. And now you want to just put him on the center and just, no, you let these guys do what they do best. So that's why I like what Andy Reid does with Patrick Mahomes. Um, I, I think, you know, I, you know I, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is like a wonderkin. Um, with his arm, his arm talent is 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 ridiculous. But um, yeah, yeah, I think Lamar's gonna get his opportunities. I think he's gonna be healthy. Yeah, you know, contrary to to you know popular belief, oh, he's gonna get broken up. He he's running the ball twenty times a game. I'm like, these people aren't watching the game. A couple of his runs are that he'll he'll take a knee before the end of the half. Then he'll take three knees at the end of the game. It go down his rushing stat. So there's four kneels. Four kneel downs right there that go down his rushing attempts. Then I have a couple that he just scrambled on and ran out of bounds. Then I have a couple design runs, you know, that, that fits his skill set. And he's not taking major blows. So a lot of that stuff gets blown completely out of proportion. And he's not taking big hits. It's not like he's just ramming up the middle uh, of, the, of the defense and stuff like the guys. I mean, he's slick. And he has his own unique way of, like, avoiding, avoiding hits. Yeah. Um, but you, you're vulnerable. You're more vulnerable standing in the pocket, getting ready to throw the ball, then you are running. That's why you have so many rules to protect quarterbacks nowadays. you got to, like, basically lay them on the ground now because they're so vulnerable. Like, they can't protect themselves when they're in the pocket. Like, oh, you got to be able to win from the pocket. Like, you can't protect yourself in there. If I'm running with the ball and I see people coming, it is up to me to what I do. I can get out of bounds. I can get down. I can make a miss. I can do this. Now, if you're trying to, like, just lower your shoulder and run people over, that's the stupid stuff RG3 used to try to do. <laughs> then okay, that's the stuff that uh, Andrew Luck tries to do. He's not all uh, the stuff. Cam yeah, yeah. That stuff. Not, yeah, not Andrew our... Luck. Uh, Carson <laughs> Wentz. You know he can get a little reckless too. And uh, I'm like, what is what is wrong with these guys? But you know, Mark Jackson. He's very slick about the way he he does things. And uh, I know he's kind of built, kind of wiry, but he's he's like wiry strong. It's just it's hard to describe. He's just he's one of those unique, quick twitch type athletes. I wish I could have seen Michael Vick play in some of these systems that they have now. Oh god. And um that that would have been so that would have been so fun to watch. 
But um, but yeah, man, that's that's pretty much my take on it. I think Lamar is going to be be absolutely fine. He can be as good as he wants to be, um, as long as you know he just he continues to grow. And he's still, I think, I think he's still he's going to go into this year as the youngest starting quarterback in the NFL. And um, I think a lot of people don't even know. I think only Daniel Jones for the Giants. I think he might be the only quarterback who in the NFL who's younger than Lamar Jackson right now. And you know, so he's. I mean, he, the future is, is bright for him. I mean, the guy's gonna be 22, so he just got to continue to play, continue to progress, and continue to get better. And yeah. I think he can. He can be effective, very effective uh, player. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I um, I think my point of view on it's a little bit different. I agree with a lot of what you said, but I guess for me, I don't think it's so much. Uh, I guess I don't think it's so much up to the player. I think it's more. Uh, I think it's more the coaches. That um, like I said, I think it's my point of view on why some quarterbacks aren't successful. Like when you just mentioned about Marcus Mariota, I, I guess for me, for the life of me, I can't understand why you'll draft a player who doesn't. Or let's let's say your system does not fit the player that you draft or the player that you have that's leading your team. Why not change the system to fit that player? It's my, exactly. my thing. So my only exactly. I guess what I wanted to ask you was thinking about it the way I'm thinking about it. Do you think some of these coaches just have too much pride? Or do you think they're just like, look, I've only got two years to really have my job. I'm going to do what I want to do. And if it works, cool. If it's not, whatever. Hmm. Anyway, what do you think? That's a good question. I think it's a little bit of a mixture of both. Like, I'll give you an example of me back when I was in high school. I was in my, – my going into my senior year, I had a, a, a good – I had guys who – I had some receivers. It wasn't just me. I had another guy behind me that ended up being an all-state receiver. Um, I had a, we had a slot receiver that was a great return man, great slot guy. Nobody could guard him in the slot. We had a quarterback that was like six one six two could sling the ball around the, around the yard. Uh, we had a tight end that could catch. We had a, uh, a couple of good running backs. I mean, we had some we had some dudes, you know. He had some dogs. And, um, <laughs> yeah, we had, we we really did. And um, and I'm just sitting there looking around, and I'm like, man, we got this big quarterback that could throw. He had me on one side. You got another receiver. You got basically two all state receivers playing. Then you had a slot guy who nobody could cover. That was quick as a cat on the inside. We had a good tight end that could catch and run, who probably should have been a receiver himself. And we were running the wing tee. Oh. And people, like, and, and I never forget, when I went on my my college recruiting visit, my coach asked me, like, he's like, how many passes did you catch this year? I said, I, called, I only caught 20. I think I only caught 27 this year. My senior year, I only caught 27 passes. And uh, he said, only 27. I'm like, yeah, we ran the wing tee. He's like, he said, my coach looked at my college coach, which before I even went to college, he said, y'all ran the wing team with you? I was like, yep. And he just started laughing and shook his head. I said, yep, that's what they did. But I think a lot of it is pride and a lot of it is that, you know, they, they want to do what they want to do. But also, um, it's hard for people to change, and especially in the pros. They're usually the last people that want to give up and give in to change. You know, a lot of, a lot of coaches have egos. They're not willing to sit down and listen to alternatives or other ways to do things. And, um, yeah, I just think you just got to be able – you got to be willing to let go of some things. Like, uh, even with with, um, with Dak Prescott, I remember I was saying um, I, I, it's for the life of me. I don't understand why Dallas doesn't run more read option looks with Dak Prescott. Yeah. Dak Prescott played for um, um, Dan Mullen yeah. in college. The same offensive coordinator had Tim Tebow and – Oh, um, Dak was way better as far as more efficient as a pass. I mean, that's not even close than Tim Tebow was a cop, but he was, Dak was very effective as a runner. Um, granted, you can't just pound and run quarterback powers and stuff, but you can still make yourself a threat 
and take a one player out of the play to give Zeke more room. And I and I remember I was telling my son one day, and I might have said this on another podcast. I was like, they ran. I said, I don't know why they just won't run a read. I was thinking it was against the Eagles. It was that play when Zeke, I think he broke through the line and like hurdled a guy against the Eagles. I think it was a Sunday night or Monday night game. It might have been Thursday night. I don't know. It was a prime I think you had talked about it. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, and I, I vividly remember. I was sitting there like, why don't they just run the read option to take a player? Dak handed the ball off to Zeke. He read the end. The end stopped. And he gave the ball to Zeke. And, you know, Zach, I mean, Dak carried out his fake. And everybody stopped. And Zeke just took off. And I'm saying, like, why haven't y'all been doing this? Like, Dak is a threat. So use him as a threat. You know, even if he does, even if you say, Dak, I want you to hand it, I'll never want you to keep it unless that end is just crashing down hard. But they don't do it. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, you got a weapon at quarterback. Use him, you know, you know, in, in some way, shape, or form. But, you know, I know a lot of I'm, – I'm, I'll let you talk about that one day. I know a lot of these uh, – the Cowboy fans have been – you know, pounding to get a new offensive system in there, and I know, I know y'all want Sean Payton bad. I want you want him to come home, but we'll see if Jerry can work some magic. Don't get me started. Let's matter of fact, <laughs> switch the subject now. I'm not mad. So, uh, y'all, the last thing we're gonna do. This is usually my favorite segment of the week, but this is the second uh, podcast in a row where I'm being forced to shut my mouth because uh, I'm being forced to put somebody at one of the top few positions that I'm not really looking forward to. So I'm not going to talk about, I'm going to let Twan take over when I get there. So uh, we're going to do the top five safeties. Shut up, Twan. We're going to do the top (laughs) five safeties in the NFL. At least our power rankings. Again, this is not yours. If you don't like the rankings, guess what? Get your own podcast because you listen to ours right now. I don't really care. But number five, for me personally, I went with uh, Kevin Byard, the Tennessee Titans, uh, the safety they have. Um, uh, one thing I've noticed about Kevin Byers is that anytime I'm playing the game, Madden, if I ever throw a football near his direction, whether it's a deep ball or just a, a – I mean, it don't really matter what I throw. He picks the ball off, the ball, yeah. ball hawk. Uh, he's not afraid to tackle. Uh, I'm not really familiar with him in college, which a lot of players, I guess, personally, I, if it's not Miami Hurricane or if it's not in the ACC or SEC, I probably don't much follow him anyway, but – um, yeah, and he went to like Tennessee State too. So yeah, but this yeah. is tough. And uh, Tawan could probably speak more to Kevin Byer, but uh, yeah, go ahead, bro. Yeah, okay, yeah, I have Kevin Byer at number four for me. Um, but my number five, and uh, you basically said everything you know about um Kevin Byer that I agree with. The guys, he truly is a ball hawk. Uh, plays the game with a lot of passion. I like watching him play. Um, but my number five is uh, uh KZ for Atlanta Falcons. Um, he really stepped out. Um, now, granted, Keanu Neal is a beast. I'm not trying to take anything away from Keanu Neal. I think when he comes back healthy, I, I believe he's, you know, one of the keys to that defense, along with Deion Jones. You know, they're, just, they're really just two enforcers back there. Um, but KZ, his ball hawk ability, like he's just one of those guys that you that's just always around the ball, you know, causing chaos, causing turnovers. Uh, I think I believe he had like seven interceptions last year. Um, yeah, he like damn near let leave. If I'm not wrong, like almost or something like that. He right. Was, yeah, him and uh, was it Fuller from the Bears? Yeah, Fuller from the Bears. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And um, I think he's uh, you know, I, I I I won't be surprised to see him duplicate those numbers. He's, he's he strikes me as a guy uh that is always going to be from that five to eight interception range every year. You know, just being around the ball, getting his hands on the ball, tip passes like he's always finding. His way now, and he's not. Of course, he's not on the level like how Ed Reed would, you know, that type of thing. But who? Ed Reed. <laughs> hey, nah. 
All right, now. But, but. Don't talk about the young But he's, he's still up there. So that's my number That's my number five and my number four. KZ, five, and number four, Kevin Byer. Let me ask you just about KZ because um, I thought about this a little bit when I was thinking about my list as well. Um, Keanu Neal obviously is one of the safeties. Um, I forget that Ricardo Allen was the other starting safety. Yeah, Ricardo Allen, yeah. He's the, you know, the other guy that actually is a starting safety. So with that being said, where do you see KZ do you think he can actually trans? Like, I guess, do you think he's gonna be able to play some of that? Maybe possibly like in the slot, or do you think like how is he gonna fit in with them like, I, having I, two safeties? I think I because because they let go of Brian Poole, um, their nickelback. Okay. Uh, I believe they're gonna slot one of them in that spot. I don't know who. I don't know who's if they just plan on bringing somebody to play in the box, whether it be Keanu Neal or what. Because um because KZ can stroke too. Now he can hit. So um, yeah, he he was the one that knocked the uh, woman. He well, I don't know if you remember in the preseason, but he tore uh Marquise Lee. ACL. Oh yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, so, uh, I, yeah. yeah, I remember that. But uh, but he can hit though, you know. And um, I I I think they're gonna slot one of those guys in there in that spot. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Ricardo Allen or I mean, or it could be Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal can play in the box, easy. Okay. You know, I mean, he looks like a linebacker, hits like a linebacker, but he can you know he moves around like a DB. So um, I could definitely see Keanu Neal doing it too. So that all three, I mean, in my opinion, they're all playing. They're okay. all on my field. We're gonna get into a conversation one day about um, enforcers because um, I'm just gonna give a little teaser to it. I, I guess I don't personally know if enforcers are as valuable in today's game like Keanu Neal's, but like I said, we'll get to that later. Um, yeah. Uh, number four for me at my safety position, I think Twan said he had Kevin Byard. I actually went ahead and put Earl Thomas at my number four because uh, not because he's not talented. We all know Earl Thomas, at least in the boom, former member uh, on the Ravens now. Dallas was supposed to make a play, but, you know, we had our hands in our ass. We don't know what the hell we were doing, but, I mean. Uh, they got Jeff. Lead him, Jeff. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, Earl Thomas, uh, the only reason I didn't have him higher, because usually he's one of my top two or three safeties, is because uh, Earl just hasn't finished, if I'm not wrong, the last two seasons or was it three seasons, something like that. He's been a uh, – He's getting older. He's getting injured. He can still thump. He can still – he's still a ball hawk as well. He's probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest safeties, you know, to ever play the game. Yeah. But, um, like I said, with just him not finishing the last few seasons, I think that's what kind of scared me off a little bit. I kind of wondered would he hold up this year. But um, that's my number four. My number three safety I actually had was Harrison Smith, Minnesota Vikings. Um, one of the <laughs> – I mean, again, when we talk about thumpers, I know Harrison to be a guy that I don't like to see many running backs, at least my running back, come across him too often. Uh, Harrison was good for blanking tight ends. I think uh, I think last year he might have taken a slight step back only because I did see him kind of get blazed up a little bit by Clay Burton a few times last year and some other guys, which is going to happen in the NFL. But I, I think the entire back. defense took a step back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, they had some injuries. With, I know Xavier, you know, he didn't get to play as much as he probably wanted to with some hamstring stuff. And um, I know some of the linebackers, if I'm not wrong, some of them guys got hurt too. But Everson Griffin even went down, if I'm not wrong, for like a men- not mental yeah, injury. He had a, yeah, he had, yeah, he did have a mental breakdown. And, yeah. So, so they found uh, him in the bushes naked or something. Something <laughs> <laughs> so going on. What? Yeah, he was going great. Like he, they day found day. him in his neighbor's <laughs> bushes. Something. It was crazy. Yeah, crazy ass out there in the bushes. <laughs> yeah, that's your ass. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, like I said, Harrison Smith's my number three. Uh, Swan, who you got, Trace? Um, my number three was Earl Thomas. Um, uh, a lot of the same reasons you, you said that, um, of course, he probably would be, you know, either two 
or or possibly one had he been healthy because I mean we know what he does when he's on the field. Yeah. Um. Uh. I also wanted to say a couple of my French guys. I had Malcolm Jenkins as a French guy as well. Uh, Lamarcus okay. Joyner, a French guy. Um, at safety. Um, definitely wanted to you know acknowledge them a little bit. Uh, because of course they they both can ball. And uh, you know Eric Berry had he you know if he ever gets back healthy, you know he's definitely a guy that you know is needs to be reckoned with. But um, my number two is Harrison Smith, and um, he's a do it all safety. Got the size, can run, can cover, can I mean he literally does everything that you want, and he does it well. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's my number two, uh, Harrison. Yeah, my number two. I actually went with uh, Jamal Adams from the New York Jets. Um, for mm-hmm. me, it's just I love the swag, I love the leadership, I love the, um, I love I love the fact that he's super young, but he's super aggressive, and he he don't mind talking and letting the world know how he truly feels about it. I know if you don't watch, well, if you play, you know, fantasy football again, y'all know I'm a fantasy football uh, fanatic for that. But if you uh, know anything about him, if you got a tight end or a receiver that's playing against him that week, you probably uh. You're probably a little bit hesitant because you know how he gets down, or at least you probably realize I didn't do anything this week. Why was it? It was probably Jamal Evans' fault because he's all over the field. Um, the man gets sacks. He he uh, forces fumbles. He gets picks. He, he's a big hitter. He leads team in tackles sometimes. But um, that's my number two guy, and uh, I'm not going to really discuss number one. Uh, I'm pretty much done with this shit because uh, uh, I don't like being forced to say things I don't want to say. So I'm going to let Tuan kind of just – Finish out this podcast. I might hang up the phone. I don't know, but no. Uh, well, I, I'll be I'll be quick with it. I mean, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna, you know, slow roast it. But here we go. Number one, not gonna waste the time. No drum roll. Is Derwin Pooh Bear James from Polk County, Florida? Went to the Florida State University, the real DBU. Um, Watch him out. He is the best safety in the NFL, and. I'm telling you, I wasn't expect. I like, first of all, I knew like when I first saw this kid play in high school, it was at a seven on seven tournament. It's like back in 2014, I believe it was. It might have been 2013. I don't know. 2013, 2014, one of them years. It's before I right before he went to Florida State. His junior year in the summertime, and um, every seven on seven tournament, you know, that we had the Polk County Dream Team, he was literally the best athlete there. Period. He's the best receiver. He's the best DB. Like it was. It was. He could play man, he could play zone, and then he had football instincts. Like you could just, it was so evident, um, and just and how he played. And of course, he went to Florida State, and you know, pretty much do it all. But watching him in the NFL now, first of all, I do not understand how he fell so far. Like the guy's six three, two fifteen, and you know, he can run with anybody. Can I mean, like it's. I could go on and on. He's he's ba- he's probably the best rookie t- safety that I've seen since Eric Berry, and then before Eric Berry was Sean Taylor. That just come, you come in, you make an immediate impact, and it's hard to get an immediate impact from a DB. Uh, we saw it last year with Denzel Ward. We saw it with Jalen Ramsey. Uh, we saw it with um, Charles Woodson. Um, you know, it's, it, but it's rare that you see DBs just come on on, on in the NFL in their first year. They're just Bang! They're on. They're on the scene. But Derwin, what he did last year, um, how effective he was as a blitzer, um, playing on the edge, playing in the box, covering tight ends, playing deep safety, playing deep middle, 
uh, playing deep halves. Um, sometimes they were, they were running some exotic defenses where he was matching the number two receiver. And when I say number two, I mean number two from the sideline. Like the outside receiver would be number one, the number two would be the next receiver in, and so on and so forth. But uh, he was matching number two, and they were playing zone behind everything else. And he was literally taking that player out of the game. Um, yeah, they were actually doing that with a rookie. And sometimes he was blitzing, you know, making tackles in the backfield, stripping ball, getting interceptions, uh, being an enforcer, you know, big hits. And um, that's that's the only thing I can say that I I I, I don't like. I don't, first of all, I'm never going to compare anybody to Sean Taylor. Uh, but he's one of the, he's probably the closest thing I've seen to Sean Taylor. I remember people oh. used to try to say Taylor Mays. They used to say uh, Cam Chancellor. Like, no, like, they couldn't run. Like, and Derwin had, like, the similar size, the similar playmaker, build, all that stuff. But I will, I will say that Derwin does not hit. Derwin can hit, and he's a thumper. But he don't hit like Sean. Sean was a uh, – Sean was something else with the way he hit. Uh, that was That was just completely unique. But as far as, like, being a football player – you know, he's the closest thing I've seen to Sean Taylor um, ever, uh, you know, since his um, untimely demise. So, I, um, yeah, Daryl Pooper James, the best safety in the NFL, hands down to me right now. Um, I think Earl can make a case if he, if he shows that he's healthy. But, um, yeah, man, that's it. You know, Polk County, Florida, 863. D Florida State University, DBU. You know how we do. All we do is shoot them. We got the best safety in the NFL, the best cone in the NFL. I don't know what the world going on with Telvin Smith, but we got one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Brian Burns about to take off this year at defensive end, so we're going to have one of the best deep linemen in the NFL. I mean, what Nick O'Leary doing? He might, you know, he might have a breakout year tight. All right, y'all. Well, that's been the end of the podcast. Hey, Devontae coming back this year, too, running back. Okay. Ooh, okay. James about to break out. Yeah, that's the end of the podcast, guys. Uh, <laughs> once again, we want to thank y'all for listening um, again. Please, uh, please uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes, uh, Anchor. Um, you know, please subscribe. Please keep listening. Please keep sharing it with your friends and everything. Again, if you have questions for the crowd, please, you know, hit me up. Hit Twan up. Um, you know, you can find our Instagram names. You'll know what they are. Again, you can DM us. Doesn't matter. Um, what's I about to say? Uh, oh, <laughs> if anybody wants a good laugh tomorrow, uh, Goldberg is fighting the Undertaker. <laughs> I'm talking about wrestling, people. Goldberg. 60 years old and all, Undertaker. Probably 99 years old and all. <laughs> he will be fighting tomorrow. Uh, I doubt you will see any finishing moves because they can't do them no more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> laugh tomorrow. Like I said, that will be going on. Uh, before we let y'all go again, I want to thank y'all. Uh, I'll let Twan close it out. Thank y'all again, though. All right, no doubt, man. Appreciate it. Also, anybody, you know, you want um, your companies or your businesses shout it out. Um, on our podcast, uh, hit us up. You know, we'll get ads made up, or we'll have you make up the ads, and that will make sure that they play um, on our podcast. Also, um, we're gonna get our Teespring uh, website up soon, uh, where we'll be creating Andy Sports Talk merchandise. So you guys will be able to go on Teespring.com and uh, buy uh, you know T-shirts, hoodies, you know, cell phone cases, whatever it is. So that's in the works uh, right now, and uh, I'll, of course we'll be updating you on when it's actually uploaded and uh, live and ready to go. So until the next time, man, I'll holla at y'all. Peace. All right, thank y'all. Holla.